Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Roadmapped, a podcast where we chat with product leaders around the world about their journey into product management and explore decisions behind the products they work on. I'm your host, Sean Crow, along with my business partner, Thomas Korczynski, and today we are super excited to welcome our guest, Susan Smallwood. Susan is a product manager at Aware, a company in Columbus, and we'll see, I'm going to read the, the one-liner from the website, and then I'll try to translate it. Um, uh, Aware is a comprehensive AI solution for governance, risk, compliance, and insights for leading digital collaboration technologies. So I think what that means is that you guys are like a layer on top of messaging tools like Slack that helps uh, HR or company um, leaders understand uh, the data behind what's going on in the conversations, I think. But you can yeah, that's, you can, you can that's, tell us more. <laughs> that's pretty perfect. Um, so comprehensive is definitely a great way that we put it. Um, it's a, a multi-purpose platform uh, that allows enterprises to safely enable collaboration platforms. Um, as they roll them out. So we focus on security, compliance, um, behavior analytics as a as a solution for these uh, collaboration platforms. So we can we can pull behavioral insights out of this this messaging data. So if you think about Microsoft Teams, Slack, Workplace um, by Facebook, which you guys I'm sure are familiar with, and then we translate those messages and conversations into digestible insights. Um, so we are we are kind of a jack of all trades when it comes to this data. So we do e-discovery um, as well as DLP solutions, um, and then again those those behavior analytics. So it's a it's a suite um, of a bunch of different offerings. What is DLP and e-discovery? Yep. So data loss prevention. Um, so you know, these enterprises have so much data on their hands um, and they need to either keep some of it, the stuff that they do want, or they need to get rid of the other stuff that they want um, that they don't want to have on their platform. So uh, data loss prevention, we we have a couple different modules that solve for this. Um, so we have a monitoring tool that our, that our uh, users use to find certain content that's being shared on these platforms that shouldn't be. Um, so they have mm. a policy against uh, like private information or, you know, personal information. Um, maybe there's there's a secret project going on called Project X that they don't want getting out. Um, we can pull that and let them know when when that content is shared um, and then we can delete it from the platform. Um, uh, and then eDiscovery is is one of our tools. Um, so that's for our legal team. So uh, you think of enterprises, there's there's these uh there's these legal teams that are searching for for certain content. Someone could come up to them and say, "Hey, we have a case um, on on Sean Thomas. Uh, we need to do some some digging into into them um, and pull their content back." And then, you know, once you do get that content back, you can put it on a data hold um, or you can purge it. Um, it's really about about managing this this like unstructured set of data. <clears throat> and I assume this is all like the public data, right? Like you're not, or are you pulling like DMs? I don't even know what's available. Yeah. So any, any um, computer that's owned by the company that an employee uses is, is their, their choice to pull the content back. Um, so we are, we're limited by what, the, what the customer wants. Um, hmm. So 
um, these these platforms give us APIs and and we can you know dig into into what they give us um, and what the customer's looking for. Cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll come back to to specifics on on the product, but um, mm -hmm. this is cool because the three of us went to Miami. Um, yeah. So it's fun. Uh, what year did you graduate? Thirteen. Thirteen. Okay, we were fourteen. Uh, okay. So just one not, one behind you. Not were too you far school? behind. Um, I minored in business law and then I was in the political science, um, public administration. So I thought okay. I was going to go down the, the legal route, um, ended up not just because I, I, um, got a job my first day of my senior year and I was like, I'm, I'm doing this. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so I moved to Chicago, um, right after I graduated. Cool. Yeah. Tell us about how you ended up uh, in product management. Cause it's not really a thing that you can study, right? Um, so how did exactly. you go from poli-sci to product management? Yeah. Um, so I, I interned at Coyote Logistics um, my junior year, which I'm sure you guys are familiar with, um, and then got offered a job Labor Day weekend of senior year and and took it. And so that, that role starts out in sales. Um, which I think a lot of 22 year olds that don't know exactly what they, what they want to do kind of go into. Um, I think it's a great foundation, um, honestly, because you just kind of get thrown into the business and you have to really understand the product. So I started there. Um, I was in, in the sales role for maybe like 10 months and then moved into more of a, a customer facing role. Um, and then I, from there, interviewed for a role in uh, IT. So the nice thing about, about Coyote is that it's, it's internal software that you're building. So the stakeholders are, are the people that use it every day for the business. Um, so they want those subject mat, uh, matter experts that know the product in and out that have used it for, you know, over a year um, to go in and, and be those business analysts for the product. Um, so I got, I got pulled um, into IT and I was there for a few years. So I, um, was a business analyst for a few different teams um, of our development team. So I had a couple offshore teams and then some onshore. Um, so they definitely set me up in, in the technology world. Um, loved, loved what I was doing there, um, but then wanted a different challenge after a few years. Um, you know, working with internal software, it's very different than when you're working with clients. So then I moved to a consulting firm. Um, and that was a whole new challenge from, from what I was experiencing at Coyote because at Coyote, my, my stakeholders were people that I used to work with, um, and, and people that I had these, you know, a great foundation of a relationship with, and then moving into consulting, um, you know, your, your stakeholders, you're there to make them happy and impress them. Um, and th that was great because that was totally different than what I was, what I was used to. Um, and working on a mobile app, I was, I was working on, um, you know, computer software prior to that. Um, and then going into the mobile app was, was great because it was something for me to learn, um, that I wasn't familiar with. So I was there for a couple of years, I think, um, and worked on, um, a financial banking application. Um, and then, so I'd been in Chicago at that point for, I think, six or seven, six years, probably. Then just wanted to see what the job market was outside of Chicago. Kind of hit my, my I don't know, my peak with Chicago. Um, 
I, I love it, but I was looking for something different. Um, so I was originally going to go to the West Coast for jobs, just technology, obviously, um, and, and was ready for that transition. Then kind of on a whim, just wanted to see what the product um, uh, market was like in Columbus and randomly found this role at Aware, which was previously Wiretap. Um, and so I, I, I was not actively looking. I was happy in my current role, but it was very intriguing to me. Um, and so I reached out to my now boss, let him know, hey, I'm interested, um, but I'm not looking to move until the summer. My husband was in grad school um, at the time, so we weren't looking to go until he graduated. And then it, I, I flew in for an interview and fell in love with the company and, and the whole startup aspect. Um, and then I moved two weeks later and he stayed in Chicago and finished grad school. And I, I lived with my brother here. Um, and so now I've been here for two years this month. Um, and this is a completely different role than anything I've ever experienced. Um, startup, startup is crazy. Um, it's, it's very exciting. And I, prior, I wasn't much of a, a risk taker. Um, I liked, you know, working at these Fortune 500 enterprises because you know what you're you're getting into every single day. I, and I think that that kind of helped foster my transition into product because um, you know exactly what's expected of you um, in these roles because there was somebody in your role prior that can kind of hand, hand the torch. Um, but at a startup, every day is different. Um, mm -hmm. and this has been my, my biggest challenge, but my most exciting. Um, and I really feel like now I'm really at this point where I'm very passionate, um, about, about what I do. Cool. So everybody, yeah. like you said, product is, everybody has their own, um, path into it. Like my, my boss, who is our, our chief product officer was a designer for a number of years. Um, everybody kind of finds their little niche and, and gets into it a different way. Yeah, that's cool. I was looking at, um, I can't remember his name, your VP of product, but uh, Thomas, he was a product manager at Olive with Sean Lane. Uh, yes. Who, who's a Miami guy. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so you you left, you made it six or seven years in Chicago. I'm about the same mm -hmm. six years yeah. and I'm I'm leaving too. I'm going out to Denver. I'm, I'm, go, I'm doing the West Coast uh, <laughs> or the Western I travel. love it. Yeah, they, uh, Denver's a huge pull from Chicago. Um, yep. and you'll, you'll get that, that outdoor and, and, and nature that you, d that you don't get in Chicago. So that's awesome. Yes. Yeah. I'm, yeah I'm tell us about left here and then we'll probably, <laughs> yeah, we'll probably leave too eventually. Chicago's good yeah. a little bit. Yeah. It is. A couple it more is. years. You're stuck forever, Thomas. Exactly. It's so <laughs> true. Once yeah. you hit a certain threshold, you're there. <laughs> tell us about how the product team is structured at Aware and what, product management means to you and to your team? So one of the biggest um, draws for me to aware was I interviewed um, with our CEO and he really conveyed how important product is at a company. Um, and that, that really drew me in and solidified the fact that I wanted to come here um, is to have leadership that really believes in product. And it's a, it's a, we are very much a product centric company. Um, so our, our structure, we are very lean. Um, so it is my boss, our, our chief product officer, Matt, myself, 
um, the product manager. So he he filled in for those PM roles for the few years um, prior to me starting. Um, and then I am the first PM um, officially at AWARE. And then we have a product designer. Um, so we are a lean team of three, um, which is is awesome because you just get thrown in and you learn so much. Um, but there is a point where you are so spread thin that you can't be that um, that product expert, you know, at times because your hands are in so many different different things. Um, so we are now hiring another our second PM um, starting in a few weeks. So that is that's exciting um, because we'll we'll kind of um, break out our backlogs and our focuses. Um, and then, and then own those together. So very lean, um, just, just the three of us, but as far as like the PM responsibilities, that's, um, you know, all, all on me right now. Um, and then our engineering team, I think we have about a dozen engineers. Um, and, and right now they're all kind of focused on different projects, um, and different, different parts of the business. So juggling three different, three different backlogs, um, is, is challenging, um, but I'm learning so much while doing all of it. Yeah, Tom, Thomas and I don't know anything about the about <laughs> juggle, juggling backlogs. There, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're we're the same way. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, is, and oh, go ahead. No, go go for it. I was going to say I don't know if you guys experience this, but you know, we, you have back end developers, you have front end developers, and sometimes they aren't working on the same things at the same time. Um, you know, so you got to make sure you have enough front end work that's only front end features and, you know, enough back end work. Um, so that's a big struggle, too. Totally. Yep. We we've been there. Uh, is your <laughs> engineering team all onshore in Columbus? Yes. So everybody is cool. onshore. Um, we just actually um, started working with a, a flex team, um, which is a, a nearshore team. So they are all in Detroit. Um, so ours are the same, which is, which is really nice. Um, and that's great because we have so many initiatives that we are working on. So getting that, that extra set of hands is, is, uh, very exciting for us. And the engineers are based in Detroit or just the, the company? Itself? Uh, that, fle- that flex team, um, that we hired, they're, they're a consulting firm, I guess you could say, um, they're all based out of Detroit and then cool. all of our engineers are, are here in Columbus. Um, but since the pandemic started, we, we now have like a work from anywhere policy. Um, so we have hired a few people that are that are not located in Columbus. I love how the stigma of you have to be located in one place has mm-hmm. just like been so fast tracked ever since the pandemic started. And it's it's, it's cool exactly. because you have so many like there's pros and cons with everything, but it just really enables you to be collaborative across like the country versus just. It totally does. And I don't know if you guys noticed this, but in the beginning of, of the pandemic, there weren't as many remote positions that were out there. Um, but there's actually a location called Remote Oregon, I believe that it is. So there wasn't a remote option for these companies to put that this job was remote. So all these jobs were getting posted for Remote Oregon. But they got that cleared up now. I love that so much. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. Remote Oregon was a hot market for a while. <laughs> That is cool. So, as a as a pretty small team of PMs, mm-hmm. like being the only PM for a while, what are all the hats that you have to wear? Like, there's a lot of different philosophies for product management. What are, what are all the things that you're doing? Oh, gosh, <laughs> um, I mean, every day looks different. So, I, there's the typical PM stuff. So, 
you know, owning the backlog, grooming with engineers, um, sprint planning, ensuring that everybody is, you know, working on the correct work that they should be working on. Um, I'm writing product requirement documents um, from the from the beginning, working closely with our designer um, to to build out these features. Um, you know, so the standard stuff. Also working with customers very closely. We have a we have a great customer advisory board, um, and that's where we get a lot of our ideas from, or how we vet um, um, upcoming features. So working with customers, um, we also our product team kind of plays a, a product marketing manager hat in that we we own these releases and. Um, getting these releases out to our, our customer success team and our uh, AEs. Um, so owning owning the releases is another thing for us. Um, you know, we also do aspects of project management, ensuring that everybody's working on the right stuff at the same time. Um, but we very much um, are are like adamant about the fact that we are product managers, not project managers. Right? We're not there to to micromanage and make sure people are you know, clocking in and clocking out, um, where they're more from an, an innovation perspective. How do you guys structure your customer advisory board? I know there's a few different ways that companies can do that. How, how do you guys do it? Yeah. Um, so we do it, we basically kind of pick and choose who, who gives us the best feedback, um, you know, kind of based on, on different parts of the product that they're, that we're working on. So, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we have, we're a, a multifaceted tool um, and there's different types of users. So one company won't have all of our whole suite, you know, they might have somebody that's focused on e-discovery. And so they have just like our, our e-discovery tool. Um, so they, um, you know, we work closely with them from, the like inception of them being a customer um, and we get to feel out their use cases. Um, and then we decide, you know what, this is someone's providing great feedback. We would, we would like to work with you on our, our product advisory board. And um, the, the great thing about our industry is that we can just chat with them because we have the platform that they are integrated with. Um, so it's great, quick feedback. We'll jump on calls Um you know, with them maybe weekly. I had a meeting yesterday with one of our customers to go over a new feature that we're having. We really pull a ton of feedback from them. Um, and, uh, you know, we work a lot, we work with them along the way of how, we're, when we're designing things, when we're writing requirements. Um, so we really, we really pick and choose and we, we present the idea to them from the beginning. And if they're interested, then we'll take them on. Do you, what type of mix between feedback from your current clients and customers do you have versus ones that you kind of think of internally? Like if you had your product roadmap, what, what mm -hmm. percentage is feedback versus let's try this out? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, it, it, it varies, of course. Um, we, so we do quarterly objectives and, you know, some quarters we are focused on our sales pipeline. Um, and when we're focused on our sales pipeline, we're really taking into value what those what those um, certain prospects want. Um, you know, if, if they are like, you know what, we need X, Y and Z in order to to close this deal, then we prioritize X, Y and Z. Um, one great thing about our our market is that there's there's not another competitor that solves for exactly what we solve for. So we do get to be very disruptive and innovative um, in our features instead of playing table stakes and you know making sure that we have 
um, the same features that our competitors do. Um, so it, it's very it's very balanced in in what our customers are asking as well as as innovation. Um, like our our behavior analytics tool, you, you there's not really another one on the market like it, and so there's a lot of um, disruption type of innovative ideas that we're working on there. So we kind of have this like open roadmap, um, and we take a lot of feedback from customers, but they they haven't worked with a tool like this before so they don't know fully what the capabilities of what we can do are so that's a lot of disruption whereas our e-discovery tool there's a ton of e-discovery tools out there um so we have customers that have used an e-discovery tool before and they're like hey i used you know this software before i really liked this part about it is this something that we can build so it's a balance it's definitely a balance of like our market research um you know, with with what's going to be disruptive, and then as well as what's gonna what's gonna make our customers' lives easier. When you're talking with these customers, what metrics are important to you? Because a lot of times it's not just you know LTV and CAC and um, churn. It's it's different for products like specific yeah. products. What do you guys um, look at? Churn, churn is big for us. Um, we have, we work closely with our customer success team to see, you know, what customers are coming up. You know, we, we, we want to keep them happy. Um, so churn, churn is definitely big. Um, we, we want usability. So we want our customers in there as much as possible. And we really try and understand what's going to keep them in our product. Um, you know, what are they missing that's keeping them from getting in here multiple times a day? Um, so usability, um, time to value is big for us, making sure that when they are in it, they're getting value out of it quickly. Um, and probably, um, churn time to value. Um, that's probably it as far as metrics, um, yeah, making sure really that like, they, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I really like t- the, the, concept of time to value even thomas mm-hmm. for us like in our business like as a service business down. yeah <laughs> like that i don't know like that's just an interesting concept because we can't like objectively necessarily track that as a service business but yeah. that's like probably one of the most important things to make sure that our clients are happy exactly um, so i wonder how we can do that i like that a lot mm-hmm. how do you yeah. what is value for you guys like what is that it's like the thomas you always give the analogy of like the seven friends on facebook or something where like once you reach the seven friends, that means you're in. Uh, what is it for yep. you guys typically? For us, it's 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 a quick ramp up time. Um, obviously, there's a learning curve because this is a tool that they haven't you know used any competitors type before. Um, so it's making sure that when they you know sign as at, sign in as a user for the first time, they're able to quickly be onboarded. They're able to get value out of it quickly. Um, it's not something that they have to teach themselves and learn how to use. Um, they're able to get in there and and pull insights or pull value out of it. Yeah, I bet you see a lot of churn for from people that, for whatever reason, don't get that value within a certain threshold. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and we are very good about ensuring that our customers are the right fit for the product, too. We never mm-hmm. want to set bad expectations with them. Um, you know, if they're, if they're looking for something else that's just not part of our product vision, we, we are very transparent, um, in that, you know, this is, this is what we're solving for. And hopefully that aligns, um, cause we, we don't want to just have, you know, churn after, after the contract, the contract is up. 
So um, this is a little bit of a weird question, but yeah. what type of product management work do you do that isn't actually software-based, right? Because when you're talking about time to value, like would that include, or is that like in someone else's, like the customer success teams, like vertical of like maybe doing interviews or like mm -hmm. walkthroughs or other things like that. So talk yeah. to us about the non-software product stuff that you do. Yeah. Um, so we work very closely with our customer success team and and our marketing team, um, probably closer than, than most companies. And I think that's the nature of the startup is that all three of these pods are very customer focused. Um, and so we're not, you know, much of like a, a telephone type of company where it's like customer success only meets with the customers who then tell product who then relay those use cases to marketing. Um, we all have our different needs for why we're talking to customers. Our customer success team does a great job of ensuring that our customers, um, you know, are happy or are able to solve the challenges with the product that we have. Um, you know, we, we work closely with our customers multiple times a week. I spend a lot of hours working working with these these certain users, um, which typically wouldn't be like a software-based type of PM role. Um, that's a very like customer relationship management type of type of um, part of my job, you could say. Um, so definitely the customer, the customer conversations is is not software-based. Um, and it's it's very you know, subjective information that they're giving us, um, that we're learning about, like how they use it and their feelings around the product. Um, and that's, that's one of the things I love most, honestly, about my job. Uh, you mentioned that you were setting quarterly goals. So selfishly, Thomas and I have to know about this because we just started implementing OKRs, the OKR yeah. system, objectives and key results uh, with our company. Um, so the first time that we've actually had something like structured where you were very like, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, measure what matters. We've been, uh, this, we were doing one thing and then Sean started reading this book and we're like, this is what we're doing. I was like, yeah, sounds good. I got to read that. We's, yeah. We've never had real jobs really. So we like never really <laughs> knew what this whole goal setting thing was. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really difficult to kind of objectively define success if you don't yep. have anything to measure against it. So, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So my question there is for you as a PM, what, what are your, what are some examples of your quarterly objectives for you personally? So, yeah. Um, so our, our leadership team, which is comprised of uh, three C-suites. So my boss, um, they work very closely with our investors um, and they look at our finances for the year, you know, did we hit it? Did we not? Um, what can we do to increase our ARR for next year? And those definitely help drive our objectives. Um, so we have these high level, high level objectives. Usually we have like four to five per, um, per quarter. And that could be, you know, like the time to value that I mentioned. So that one's more, more customer based. Um, then we could have, you know, maybe it's, we want to, um, hit the certain threshold of, of revenue. Um, how can we do that? So we have these high level goals and then we define them by these things called drivers. So what, what can help you drive to attain that objective? So let's say, you know, our goal is to have X amount of ARR, you know, by the end of the year. So how are we going to get that? What's our objective for, for quarter one? That's to get, you know, maybe 
for customers above X amount um, signed before March March 31st. Um, okay, so then you go down into the drivers. And so that's more where I come in. So our, our leadership um, determines the objectives, you know, what, what do we need to do to get to our goals? Then the drivers are, are more, um, not necessarily feature-based, but what, what initiatives do we need to take or what things do we need to do in order to check that box? Um, so then you have those drivers so that might be, you know, as we are getting into this, um, e-discovery market, yeah, let's say that other e-discovery, um, software platforms they have they have x y and z okay so that's a driver for us because we know that that's gonna bring money back in for us you know if we can get those those customers so those drivers um and then below drivers as you continue to peel out you know the onion back is is these features and it, it ties to this feature so we use this this hierarchy um like pyramid almost um of of those objectives and then the drivers and then the features that that tie to it interesting yeah that's one one of the challenges that we've seen is that it's like the trickle down. I, you'll really like that book, by the way. Uh, yeah, matters because it, yep. it goes through the the example they give is kind of like a football coach. The football coach has the the like leadership goals, and then they tell yep. this coach, it tells this coach, it tells this coach, it tells the players, and it's yep. like that pyramid. You know, exactly. That's exactly what it is. And and for us, the the players are the engineers, right? They're the ones that are getting it done. Yeah. Yeah. And the challenging part is that that's, so that's top down, but they say to have a 50, 50 balance of top down and bottoms up. So that's kind of where mm-hmm. we're, we're struggling is yeah taking those, the bot, like, um, not people at the bottom, but at the bottom of the pyramid, the contributors, like, how do we take their goals and, and mm-hmm. drive those up to the leadership goals? Yep. Um, so that's something we're trying to figure out right now. <laughs> yeah. And one thing that we, we do, um, I think very well is being able to tell the story around why we're building a feature. Um, because you want your engineers to have buy-in, right? You want them to, to know that the work that they're doing is meaningful and that it is making an impact. So we, when we do release those features that, that help push those drivers towards checking off that objective box, we relay that information. We let them know, hey, because of this, we were able to land this customer. It, it's not just like a, it's released and they forget about it. Um, you know, they're the ones that are actually doing the work. So we couldn't do it without them. Um, so we like we like to make that uh, like a full a full circle um, as far as as getting feedback from our customers and relaying it to our engineers and knowing how appreciative appreciative we are of the work that they're doing. Yep, I love that. Thomas and I should, uh, we have a lot to take away from this. This is great. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> it's because it's so, it's so easy to forget, you know, that like we got this thing because you did all this work and it's so yep. easy to just like not tell anybody. Right. You know, right. Cause it, it's great when you finish with it, you want to check it off and you want to, you know, get it out of your mind so that you have other space to focus on upcoming initiatives. Yep. And it's so easy to just like always build things too, right? Like it's oh, yeah. very easy to just get into the trap of like building your way out of a problem versus really yep. asking why. And Yep, exactly. I would, uh, the why, you know, that, that pulls on my heartstrings. Um, that is what our product team is all about is the why, you know, our customers will be like, Hey, I'm not able to do this. It's like, okay, well, why? Why are you looking to be able to do this? You know, what value are, would you be getting out of that? Why are you trying to, you know, do this with the product um, and really understanding the why behind it? And I think for being such a small team, we, we are very good about 
being thoughtful in the features that we do build. We vet for a while. We aren't just throwing features at our engineering team and saying, okay, hope this, hope this floats, right? Um, we vet for, for several weeks, if not a, you know, months before we pull things in because for one, engineering, it's an expensive department and we wanna make sure that the work that they're doing is, is valuable. Um, and we wanna make sure that things actually get used by, by our customers. I want to go back to when we were talking about the engineering team. You can you talk to us about? And I don't know if you were at the company when mm-hmm. you when you guys made this transition, but tell us about that moment when you needed to hire a flex team because that's like yeah. for us selfishly, that's a very interesting point in businesses. Mm-hmm. Is like when does a product team need yeah. that extra help, and and yeah. why is it worth it to do that rather than just hiring more people? Yeah, um, so we. Everybody at our company, you know, is is so busy, very spread thin amongst our amongst our features. And um, as we are getting more and more customers, we're getting, um, you know, inundated with more data. And so for us, it's a lot of a lot of infrastructure. So keeping up, keeping up with the back end um, while simultaneously being able to ship out features. Um it, it was a balance and it was a balance that in order to, to keep it balanced, we needed a flex team to help us um, with, with architecture and ensuring that, that our infrastructure is, is solid. Um, so, you know, when you get to the point where features can get delayed because you're, you're busy working on the architecture um, definitely, definitely was a, a point for us that we needed help. So is the team in Detroit then pretty much just working on backend implementations like um, maintenance, for, maintenance, I guess, for lack of a better word? For for now, um, yeah, for us, it's it's like a it's a processing engine that they're working on. Um, cool. And that's it's a good one for them to to get their feet wet with the product. So we actually just just started working with them. Um, cool. So this week we've done, been doing a ton of onboarding. So, you know, using them to help help with our processing. Nice. Uh, awesome. Yeah, we're coming up on time here. Um, Thomas, do you have any last minute questions? I think I answered uh, everything that I circled on my paper. <laughs> yeah, no, that's I, I'm all good here. Cool. Let's uh, let's dive into the rapid fire questions that yeah. I sent you before. Yeah. Um, all right. Number one, what books are you reading uh, currently or that you recommend? Um. So ones that I recommend, my um, my boss gave this one to me when I first started is Product Leadership, um, How Top Product Managers lost, Launch Awesome Products and Build Successful Teams. That one's really good for, I think, newer PMs or maybe mid-level PMs. Um, it's just an awesome overview of anything that can happen at a startup or a smaller company as far as, um, you know, what product gets, gets thrown into. Um, so I definitely recommend that one. Um, the one that I'm reading next is the like switch. I don't know if you've heard of that, but that is, mm-hmm. it's an ex FBI agent's guide to influencing, attracting and winning people over. Um, I actually went to a magic show right before, um, COVID and there was this magician and he was very like, almost like mind manipulation. And he was able to, um, pick the word that I was thinking in my head. And oh, so he weird. Said, it, it was really trippy. Um, and he said that he read this book and it was one of the ones that he recommends. So that's been sitting on my shelf. I'm going to read that, that one next. Cool. I yeah. have a recommendation for you. If you liked yeah, that, that magic show, 
Uh, It's a Hulu movie called In and of Itself. Okay. And it just came out like a month ago and it was based on a Broadway show. It's it's like a Broadway show mixed with a one-man art show mixed with a magician slash mentalist. It is... I'm really it's, into it's it. Just, it's mind blowing, right, and, it, and you'll wait. you'll like you'll cry, and it's like emotional, and it's like bizarre. Yeah, awesome. uh, but check that out. It's good. All right, I got time again. Um, yeah, <laughs> number two. What podcast are you listening to? Um. So so because our product team does a lot of our own market research, um, we try and focus on a lot of podcasts and the different um, realms that we solve for. So one one that's good for us in our e discovery is Law and Candor. So that focuses on e-discovery um, for legal teams. So it's really good to to put yourself in in an e-discovery user's shoes. So it's just you know going out and searching for for podcasts that that your users would listen to. Um, every morning I listen to Wall Street Journal Tech Briefing, um, and then I I follow one of uh, these po- product bloggers. I just found his podcast um, last month that I'm gonna start listening to called the Startup Chat. So he, his name is Hitton Shaw. I don't know if you've heard of him, um, mm-hmm. but he, he's awesome. So I, uh, I have his podcast queued up, ready to go. Cool. Uh, number three, what tools can you not live without as a PM? Um, so for me, it's tool, uh, product board. Do you guys use product board? We don't. Oh, you have to, you, you got to try it. It is fantastic. Um, it's great for, Customer feedback, it's good for road mapping. We put our objectives in there. We tie all the feedback that we get per feature. Um, you can weight the features so that you know the importance of it to customers. Um, it is a pristine tool. Highly rec- recommend Product Board. We use it for everything. Awesome. Yeah, we yeah. so we just transitioned into ClickUp. Uh, okay, and we I use ClickUp that. for everything. <laughs> but yeah, we'll check, we, out, we'll check out Product Board. Case. Yeah, you can do releases in it. Um, we track status of everything that's going on. It's just that one central focused area. Sweet. Uh, number four, what are your top three most used apps on your phone? Um, I mean, Slack, right? Everyone, Everyone's on, on Slack all day. Um, you know, so those times when you're not on your computer at night or in the morning. Um, definitely Slack. Everything... I'm very guilty of it. Um, Google Photos. I, I I love using that app. I, I had a baby in the summer and I love that it can track her face in every photo. So if I just want to, you know, look at photos just of her or put it up on my Google Hub Max, I can just say like, show me photos of Margo. Um, and it pulls just from her, you know, face detection. Um, and then third would be Nanit. Nanit is a really cool baby monitor startup that is in New York. So I think there's like 50 of them there. I, I kind of did a little research just on the company. Um, but it their software tracks breathing. Um, so you put this little band around the baby and it, it has these shapes on it and it, it uses this computer algorithm um, to to track the breathing of the baby. So I'm always in that, but it's, it's cool to support a startup, right? Um, with something like that that you need. Cool. That's uh, baby tech, you know, things I don't yeah, know right? about, but I'm sure there's a lot of cool stuff. <laughs> there's really cool stuff out there now. Uh, number five, what app or tool feature have you recently been surprised and delighted by? So we, um, we've we gotten very focused on product requirement documents. I don't know if you guys write those, um, but we yep. like to write very, very detailed requirements um, even before we start uh, design. 
Um, that way, you know, as we bring on more engineers, they can look back and see exactly what we're solving for, what we're trying to do, solution, et cetera. Um, and our, our engineering team has been using Confluence for quite a while. Um, mm -hmm. And we kind of just uh, started getting into it on the product team. And Confluence is awesome. Um, we were using box notes before, which are, which is pretty good for collaboration. Um, but Confluence is is where it's at um, as far as requirement documents and like the organization of it is is a really nice hierarchy. Um, you know, the tagging feature so you can tag people in it, highlighting different parts of it. Um, really good for collaboration. Are you guys within the Atlassian ecosystem? Like, do you have other products by them or is that just... Is that the uh, that would be our only one, as far as okay. I know, at least from the product side, probably more on engineering. Okay. Yeah, I, I ask because we don't use it. So I was just curious if yeah. it's like only useful if you use everything else that they have. <laughs> it, it might be, and our engineers probably use it a lot more than I do. Um, but I just have like a, a very low level access to Confluence and I'm happy with it. Nice. Uh, number six, who do you follow and get inspiration from? I know you mentioned uh, one Shaw. I think. Yeah, Hinton Shaw. Um, so he has this awesome, like weekly blog that gets emailed to you. Um, and it, it, I guess it's less about what what he's writing, more about um, these great articles that he that he has found um, and puts them all in this consolidated view. I feel like I'm always getting, you know, I'm forwarding these emails constantly to to my products team. Um, there's, there's just really good content in there. And he, he goes and finds all the best articles. Um, and um, I get it. I mean, I, I, I am lucky that I have a, an awesome boss who, um, you know, is a, is a very integral part of our company. Um, and so I'm learning constantly from him every day, which I, I think can, you know, really make or break a job. Um, and to have somebody that you really look up to like that is, is huge um, and what's for your his happiness name? at a company. Matt Pasternak. Cool. All right. And the last one is, are there any product management trends that you're looking forward to or following in 2021? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think obviously there's, there's a, an emphasis on, on culture um, and being able to do it digitally. So that's a challenge that we're getting to solve with our customers is they're all kind of, you know, now that, that COVID's still going on and it, it, it didn't have an end date like we anticipated, um, ours are really focusing on how we can digitally get our get their employees um, to feel safe and empowered um, in their workplace. So definitely the culture aspect from a digital standpoint. But then also, I feel like now we're at this great time where product is is so centric in a company um and it that's why you know like you said like you can't major in, in product management um and everybody has a different path into it but i feel like companies are really jumping on this this notion that product should be the center of the company um and i think that 2021 will only you know dive deeper into that great um if anyone wants to reach out to learn more about you or aware where can they go uh, you can just message me on my LinkedIn um, or you can just shoot me an email at susan at awarehq.com. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on the show. This is a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. This was great.